Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast, episode 22, and I'm excited to share the conversation I had with Aaron Burry. Had the opportunity to sit down with one of Marketing Magazine's top 30 under 30. She is a marketer, former technology journalist, and startup enthusiast. Aaron is currently the Marketing Director at 88 a creative communications agency that, that's worked with brands including Sony Pictures Television, Torstar, Yellow Pages, PayPal, as well as other countless startups. Aaron was formerly the managing director at startup publication BetaKit and the director of communications at Sprouter, which was acquired by Post Media in 2011. During our time together, we talked about many topics including growing, managing 88, building a personal brand, her love of wine, and including hosting a podcast. But before getting started, I wanted to send a thank you to my media partners, IT World Canada, for the support of the podcast. Now enjoy the show. Hey, Erin, welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast. Thank you, and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time. First off, can you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Tell us who Aaron is, what you like to do when you're not growing businesses or leading companies? Uh, well, uh, my name is Aaron Burry. I am an entrepreneur and a small business owner. I've worked in the startup and marketing space for the past decade. And when I am not starting and growing businesses, I enjoy eating pizza and spending time in Prince Edward County at my vacation home and traveling. I'm actually going to California on Sunday for a conference and then to Napa Valley to sip wine. So I will be in my happy place when I'm holding a glass of wine with the sun shining down on me. Oh, I'm so jealous. And I'm sure everyone listening is jealous right now. And and Prince Edward County, I know that's something close to your heart. We'll definitely get into that as well more. But why don't we just start off with your day job? Tell us more about 88, your current role, and what's your current goal for the organization? Where, where do you where do you set your sights on right now? For sure. So, eighty eight is a communications agency, and we focus on branding and storytelling for tech companies and lifestyle brands. So, uh, my personal passion is startups and tech companies, and helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses. And eighty eight is itself a startup. We're fourteen people. Uh, we have a team of graphic designers, digital marketers, and PR pros, and uh, we're based at Queen and Spadina in Toronto. So, my role is really leading the team and helping out with everything from from managing people to new business to branding and and managing the agency to um, replacing the toilet paper. And today, as you've seen, the light bulb in our bathroom because currently it is burnt out and people have to go in there with their flashlight. So that's what happens when you're a startup, folks. And it's definitely a skill needed to use the bathroom, uh, apparently, uh, in the dark. <laughs> definitely. I mean, you mentioned that you've grown now to 14. I'd love you just to find out more about how, how it's grown since it's launching, some of the successes, some of the challenges that you've gone through leading a, leading a startup, leading a very competitive market as well. 
For sure. So I think, you know, uh, agencies are a dime a dozen, marketing consultants and freelancers are a dime a dozen. And the only thing that really sets each one apart is their people. And so, uh, we're really fortunate at 88 to have a team of extremely smart, curious, awesome people, uh, who I'm proud to call, uh, almost, almost a family. I, I love them so much. Even when people move on, they're started part of this larger 88 family. And, you know, we, it really did start with one person. I actually didn't start 88. I came in when it was three or four people, uh, and it was started accidentally as a business unit of a software company and the the owners kind of realized they had this this thing on their hands that they didn't know what to do with and so brought me in to kind of build it and shape it and uh, turn it into a business of its own and so there were lots of challenges along the way like there are for every startup i think the biggest one um the start the challenge with any agency is attracting the right types of clients, the ones that get you excited about the work that you're doing, the ones that are a match for the skill set of your team. And then, you know, making sure that those clients are happy while still making sure that you're filling the pipeline of new business. Um, you know, agencies are often cyclical where you'll be working on a project and then something wraps up and you'll need to bring something else in to replace that revenue. And so it can be, you know, it's kind of keeping your eye on what's happening today, making sure that the work that's being done right now is amazing and that clients are happy while still keeping an eye on the next three months, the next six months, the next nine months, so that you're not in a position where projects wrap up and all of a sudden you can't make payroll. So I think that's the challenge of every uh, agency owner. And uh, I've been really fortunate to work with an agency consultant named Carl Sakis, who has really acted as a business coach and helped us with everything from how to fill our new business pipeline to how to, you know, manage client expectations and uh, how to implement internal processes to make sure things flow smoothly. So my secret to success is definitely having someone smarter than me who's worked with other agencies and knows um, knows how to advise them along the way. Uh, but definitely that's one of the biggest challenges I faced. You're managing, you're juggling, you're doing everything and, and probably trying to make it look simple as well when you're when you, when you're leading a team, when you're talking to clients, um, tell me tell me more about how you engaged with the. Uh, his name was Carl, the business coach. Was it something someone told you to, do, or did he approach you? How, how did this relationship come about? Well, I think you know. I forget who said the the quote that every great entrepreneur or business person uh, knows that they have to surround themselves with people that are smarter than them. And that's certainly the case with Carl. I know what my own strengths are. I know that I'm a great storyteller and writer. Uh, I'm great with managing people, but I'm not necessarily great with things like uh, processes and project management and operations and finance. So it actually came about because we were looking at hiring an operations person and someone recommended uh, actually turning to someone like Carl, who's more of a business coach and operations coach versus hiring someone in-house. And the reason that Carl appealed to me so much is because he works exclusively with other agency owners. So he knows the trials and tribulations that we go through on a daily basis. He himself has worked in agencies for many years. Uh, and so what I find he provides and what any business coach provides is frame of reference, being able to tell you when you should be worried about something, when you shouldn't, if things are normal for an organization of your size, when you need to start thinking about implementing processes or changing the way that you do things, um, and also a Accountability. I think when you're at the top of the food chain at an organization, it's very easy to not hold yourself accountable for getting things done uh, and to push them to another day when client issues arise. And what Carl really provides is, I know every month I'm talking to him and he's going to ask about where that project is that he assigned me last month. So really, you know, a sanity check. Um, he, I call him my agency therapist. And then also just accountability. So I know that I'm getting things done. And you also mentioned 
being able to go to him with things that I wouldn't necessarily take to my team. So if I'm having an issue with a client that I don't want to talk about or our cash flow is really tight, you don't want to take those things to your team because then they're going to worry if they're going to see money in their bank account on the next payday or they're going to worry about the health of the organization unnecessarily. So I think what he also provides is somebody uh, who's an unbiased third party who I can go to with issues without necessarily worrying my team. And one thing that you mentioned as well was was building a great team and it's all within the agency world and within any business, it's the people around you. I'd love for you to share how you've been successful at attracting the right people and and retaining them. Absolutely. So I think uh, we have two kind of mottos that we live by at 88. The first is um, don't say no unless you can think of a really good reason. And the second is treat people like adults. And those two things have really helped us create a culture where people are empowered and feel like there aren't unnecessary things in place, um, you know, a ton of rules and red tape and processes that don't really have any bearing on the success of their role. So I think that's helped us to build a really great culture. A couple examples of that, um, you know, we people really wanted work from home days. And so we had now have work from home days. People wanted to be able to work from their cottage for a week. So they now do that. Someone suggested summer hours. And so now every Friday in the summer, we leave at 1pm. Um, and I think really fe- making people feel like their feedback is heard and like they're being listened to and that they're not unnecessarily shot down or arbitrarily shot down when they suggest something has allowed us to build a culture where people feel um, feel really part of a team that actually cares. And then the second thing I think that has helped us um, attract really great people is just the focus that we've put on building 88's brand in the community. So uh, I'm not a, a natural salesperson. I don't, I'm terrible at cold calling. I've never done it, never will. And so for me, how we've grown 88's uh, profile in the community and how we've attracted clients is always through things like speaking engagements and creative campaigns and content. And I think that's really helped us to attract people. It was our primary goal was obviously to build a brand for ourselves and to attract clients, but it also achieved the secondary goal of building a name for ourselves in the community and attracting really great candidates and talent. And so we've never had any shortage of people who have wanted to work at 88, which is really great. Uh, our biggest challenge has been um, hiring for very specific roles. So for example, you know, hiring for graphic designers where it's a very specific skill set or hiring for a project manager, which we're doing right now and is proving to be very difficult. Um, but yeah, I, I think attracting talent has never been a problem for us. It's just been finding people that are the right fit for 88. We're a very, very tight knit team. We have a very specific culture. And so, um, you know, you really have to hire for culture fit as, as much as you do for skills fit. I was listening to a podcast recently with Reed Hastings from Netflix. And he said, you know, the mark of a great leader is someone who knows that you have to take culture fit into account more than skills when you're hiring for a role, if you're trying to build an innovative forward thinking organization. So that's really my challenge is not attracting the right type of talent. It's attracting the right kind of culture fit. The one thing I really loved was, was having those two models. Uh, was that something within your culture or did that evolve with people within the organization? Great question. So uh, I, I've worked in startups for most of my career, but I did have a brief stint working at a Fortune 500 company after a startup I was working at was acquired. And I just really got a glimpse into it. I think it's important for people to work in a Fortune 500 company, even if they're entrepreneurial, because you need to know how they operate so that if they're ever your customer or your partner, um, 
or you're hiring someone that used to work at one, you understand the mentality that goes into it. But there's a lot of unnecessary red tape policies and roadblocks that exist in large organizations. And I understand why every policy is there because at some point an employee abused that policy, that lack of that policy, and they put it into place. But I just wanted to create an organization where we trust people. And if people abuse that trust, we deal with it at that point, but we don't treat people like they're children. To me, you don't need to be at your desk by nine o'clock on the dot every day to be a great team member. You don't need to be at your desk at all because we're an agency that operates largely online. Uh, To me, it's give people a lot of leeway, trust them to do the right thing. Um, you know, and, and then if they abuse that trust, then you can deal with it at that time. And we certainly do have policies. I mean, we have, you know, set vacation time and we have, you know, uh, we have, you know, how many sick days you can take. And just like every company, we have the basic policies in place. But I think for most things, it's just use your judgment. Um, you know, Zappos, Tony Shea is famous for being a leader who empowered even the most junior employees in his call center to use their best judgment. And he famously, you know, told a customer of his or an investor to call the call center and order a pizza. And the employee actually did it because they were empowered to actually make the make their own call on something. And I think that's really what we try to abide by here. And it was a definitely a conscious decision from day one, but it's evolved over time and only gotten stronger because there hasn't been an occasion where I've had to revoke someone's privilege or change a policy because someone was abusing it. And I think that's just because of that trust that we place in people. I want to move on to who you are, who you are as a professional. I mean, you're definitely deep within the startup culture. You're a marketing expert. You're a leader. You've spoken across North America. Um, you're a published author. I think you're on an, a, a news clip as well every week, a weekly news clip. So I'm curious to know if you're to start an agency today and knowing no, what you know, where would you start? Where would you build the business? It's a great question. I mean, I think 88, again, it wasn't a business that I started from day one. It was something that I came in and, and, and molded and shaped from a place that, uh, was already quite established or at least partly established. So I think if I was starting a business tomorrow, I would look at where the biggest skills gaps are and where my biggest passion was. You know, I think that cliche saying of you won't work a day in your life if you do something you're passionate about. It sounds stupid, but it's actually true. And I know this because now I am doing something every day that doesn't feel like work and that I really love. So I think my the thing that I'm passionate about first and foremost is helping entrepreneurs, uh, whether that's helping them with marketing or just talking through a challenge they have uh, or seeing them achieve a dream of being in a certain media outlet or speaking at a certain event. So I think the biggest skill gaps that I see for entrepreneurs are in PR and personal branding. Um, absolutely, our graphic design and, and digital services are, are extremely relevant, but for entrepreneurs specifically, they're really bad at building up their own executive leadership and thought leadership and personal profile because they're often so busy focusing on getting their business off the ground that they don't put enough time into going out to events and shaking hands, doing podcast interviews like this, um, you know, building up blog posts and content that they can put out into the world. And I think especially if you're a B2B business and you're not selling direct to consumer, the only thing that's going to raise your profile in the community is becoming a thought leader and becoming an expert. So I think that's what I would really focus on if I was starting the business again tomorrow. And it's something that we're actually incorporating into our services. So we just launched a personal branding package for the first time. So entrepreneurs or business people who are looking to actually get their own name out there um, can can get a bit of help with it. And what I've found is that building your own personal brand uh, actually helps your business 
exponentially in the long term. You know, you mentioned you rattled off a, lo- a bunch of lovely things uh, that I've that I've been fortunate enough to do over the course of my career, and all of those things have really helped to build my personal brand. But they've also infinitely helped my business. Whether it's you know someone seeing me speak at an event and wanting to hire eighty eight, whether it's someone you know reading an article of mine and reaching out to someone on our team, there's always a, bu- a benefit to the business to focusing on raising your own personal profile, and it's something that I encourage every entrepreneur or even business leader to to focus on is building their own brand. Right. So convoluted answer to your question, but no, definitely <laughs> personal branding and and PR for I, sure. I love it. I love how um, not only did you answer it, but it seemed to be something that you're actually launching today. So it almost it, it almost went that. So one tip, I guess, for the entrepreneurs that are are, are listening or the executives that are listening, uh, what would be the number one first thing you would tell them to do to start that personal brand? Like, what's the, what's, what's the lowest hanging fruit for them at this point? I think the lowest hanging fruit is figuring out what their niche topic is that they're going to own as their own area of expertise. So if you think about someone like Martha Stewart, she owns, you know, home decor and cooking and Vir- Virgin, uh, Richard Branson owns kind of entrepreneurship and being risky, taking risks and being innovative you can't necessarily own that giant umbrella topic as as a new personal brand so it's all about finding what that really niche subtopic is so for example you know i know people that own a vr virtual reality agency and their area of expertise is vr marketing activations and there are other people whose area of expertise is the blockchain and really owning that and writing books about it and writing articles about it. So the whole goal is to figure out what you're great at, what you're passionate about, and then find a niche topic that nobody else is talking about that you can kind of make your own and turn into your kind of um, your podium that you speak from. So uh, that's kind of the lowest hanging fruit is figuring out what that is and then going from there. And for them to find that, and maybe I'm even thinking for myself, right? So most likely, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'll probably need to look at my customer set and see see where the big profits are or even the, the similarities between my clients and what they look to me at. Yeah, I think there's a couple ways to, to figure out that niche. It's, it's a matter of combining your skill set with strategically thinking about what people will want to be hearing about in the next you know year, two years, three years. Um, so for example... One of the talks that I give, and I have several talks that I that I give, but I think my my larger personal brand is around small business marketing and, and helping entrepreneurs tell their stories and being kind of this tech savvy small business person. Um, one of the talks that I give is on personal branding, which is really natural to me because I focus a lot of my own efforts on personal branding. So it's something that I'm educated to talk about, that I have experience with, and that I'm passionate about. So it's a natural extension of that to actually officially make it part of my personal brand. But something where, you know, I, th- I saw a lot of opportunity was chatbots. So um, we built a chatbot for the Toronto International Film Festival last year in partnership with an agency called TW and it allowed you to go on Facebook Messenger and chat back and forth with this robot film critic about which movie you should see at TIFF and you could watch trailers and and it really made me fascinated about the potential for chatbots and how they're going to be automating everything from customer service to notifications and um, booking confirmations and things like that. So I realized that it's also a really hot topic. Publications are talking about it and everyone's kind of, there's lots of rumblings about the future of chatbots and the potential for marketers. So I developed a, a talk around what chatbots or what marketers need to know about chatbots and have started giving that at, at conferences and, and events and writing content about it. So my point is that's something that I didn't know a lot about, but that I really educated myself on and built a, a personal brand around because I knew that everyone would be looking for that content and it would be a hot topic for the next couple of years. 
years. Whereas personal branding is something that's way more evergreen, that never goes out of style, that, um, that I, that's been close to my heart for a long time. And so when you're trying to pick your niche topic, make sure it's something that you either are passionate about, know something about, or can learn something about, and that it's something people you anticipate conference organizers, publications, and anyone else would actually really be excited to talk to hear about in the next year. You touch upon leadership or executives or even yourself having that someone to bounce things off, having that coach. I think you I found out you had a key one of your key mentors was Sarah Prevet. So excuse me if I say her last name wrong. She's a serial entrepreneur. I think she was your former boss. So outside her being your former boss um, what did you specifically learn from her and what would you say her best leadership skills are? Great question. So um, after I graduated journalism school, I spent about a year working at a PR agency and met Sarah through some mutual friends and she hired me to be the community manager at her new startup. So I was employee number two at her entrepreneurial social network and was tasked with, you know, building up the audience from the, from the ground. Uh, and I worked for her for almost five years and what I learned from her was how passionate entrepreneurs are and how um, I never wanted to go back from from working in startups. She really opened my eyes to the power of entrepreneurship, to the passion that entrepreneurs have, to the, the problems that they're trying to solve, and also to what working in a startup can can mean for someone who's really young in their career. You know, I was at a, a larger organization previously that where you kind of operate in this little box, you do these five things and don't do anything outside of those five things. Whereas startups are collaborative and it's, it's necessary to step outside of your comfort zone because there were only three of us. And, you know, uh, other than the CEO and the developer, it was just me. So, um, you really had to kind of push yourself and, uh, and learn new skills. Sarah also taught me a lot about compassion and building a team that you truly care about. Uh, all of the compassion that I have for my team, if they're going through a challenging time or if something's happening personally, it's all come from her. She always genuinely cared about us as people, not just as employees. And one specific example of that was, you know, anytime there was a snowstorm or any kind of like thunderstorm or rain shower, not rain shower, but crazy storm predicted, she would always text us and make sure we had candles and supplies and water bottles just in case it went out. And she would make sure that we all knew to work from home and not to risk our lives by coming into the office in a snowstorm. And she always just made you feel like you weren't a number. And obviously we couldn't be a number. There was three of us, but, um, you know, she always just made you feel like she cared about you as a person. And so it taught me a lot about the importance of caring about the people that you work with, which sounds like it should be obvious, but I think often, especially when you work in a large organization, employees can made to be feel like they're a number, like they don't matter, like they're replaceable. And I think she did a good job of making us feel like we were, we mattered uh, as people and as team members. Uh, she also, I think she taught me to have big, hairy, audacious goals. You know, we used to talk all the time about what could be and the potential and big ideas and and she really taught me to push the limits of what you think you can do. So for example, um, we were acquired by Post Media. And as a part of that, we launched BetaKit, the startup publication. And because of my journalism background, I you know, took on the role of managing editor there. And I had a lot of doubts. Can we launch this publication? Will people want to read it? Uh, we were monetizing through market research reports on emerging technology. And I was tasked with writing them, 100-page research reports on technology. And I said to her, there's no way that I can do this. I don't know how to write a market research 
research report. And she said, you know, you'll figure it out. She always trusted me more than I trusted myself. And she was right. Um, you know, Beta Kit became this really successful publication that's still very active today. The market research reports got done and were great. And we were selling them into, you know, strategy officers at, at big agencies and companies. So, I mean, I think she taught me to trust in yourself, to, to push yourself and to dream big and take risks when you are building a business. Oh, that's huge. And, and really having that early mentor, early boss who really gave you that uh, confidence and that trust to, to just run with it. And, and it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's funny because Sarah's almost too much of an entrepreneur because when, when we left post media, uh, she, she told me, she's like, the only thing that is acceptable for you to do now is to start your own business. And so when I joined 88, she actually said, you know, I don't know if this is the right move. This is a, an already established company. Like, I really want you to go and start your own thing. And it, it was only a couple of years later when 88 was, you know, thriving and growing. And I was really shaping it into this, this new thing that she was like, oh, you're right. You made, you made the right choice. But I think entrepreneurs are almost like um, reform smokers and that they're so adamant about their choice being the right choice. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs forget that there are people who just want to go in and have a nine to five job and that there are some people who, you know, maybe don't want to start a business until they have the, the most amazing idea. And so for Sarah, it was definitely, she, she always pushed me to become an entrepreneur, which I appreciated, but um, you know, for, it's not always the right choice for me. It was the right choice to join 88. And, um, and it was only recently when I embarked on becoming an entrepreneur for the first time. Can you tell us what, what are some of your favorite publications that uh, you read, you frequently read? Yeah, great question. Uh, so I would I would have to say Beta Kit, and not just because I, I founded it or helped found it uh, a few years ago. Uh, Beta Kit, when I was managing it, was a global startup publication. And so it was focused on the global startup scene. And we covered startups from Europe and, and the US and Canada, of course. And when it was actually taken over by new owners after Post Media uh, sold it, they decided to narrow in the focus on Canada. And I think it's really allowed the publication to shine because now it's really the one of the top startup publications in Canada. They report on everything from you know investment rounds to government programs for startups, and they profile really interesting entrepreneurs. And I think they just do a really good job of being a voice for the startup community. So. I'm obviously biased too because I'm a co-host on their weekly podcast, CanCon, but I, I, it's the publication I read every day. I also really love uh, Fast Company just because I find they're always sharing really interesting leadership stories and marketing case studies. And, uh, and the actual print magazine is something that we get to the office and that I enjoy reading on, on weekends. So Fast Company is definitely one of my tops. And then, um, Inc. Magazine is another one that I really love because I'm again addicted to entrepreneurship and reading about entrepreneurs and their, their success stories. So um, yeah, it's, it's one that I take home as well. And you just mentioned um, the, the podcast, CanCon. I've, I've heard it. Can you tell us more about it when we hear it? And I think it's a little different format, if I'm correct. Yeah. So CanCon is a, a podcast about technology from a Canadian perspective. So it's not always about Canadian tech. It's sometimes about things like, you know, the Uber HR crisis in the States or what's happening with 
uh, Trump's travel ban, but it always affects Canadians and people building businesses in Canada or people who are interested in technology. So it's uh, released, I believe, every Monday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And it's a panel of four of us. So I lend kind of the marketing voice to the podcast. Uh, there's someone who's really well-versed on mobile technology, another person who's really kind of well-versed in, um, in development and IT stuff. So it's just a kind of mix of voices talking about technology. And if you are interested in the startup world and, and getting your feet wet there it's kind of a good way to to get initiated well I, i'm really excited to get to the asking you about your entrepreneurship i know you just launched something you talked a lot about passion and and doing something that you loved so you launched the county wine tours company this year tell us more tell us how did it all happen yeah. So as I mentioned, Sarah was always uh, encouraging me to start my own business. And just like I figured you wouldn't write a novel without a really great plot idea, I, I couldn't bring myself to start a business without that great aha moment of an idea. And so, um, you know, I was plugging away at 88 and not having any intention of launching a business, but I went down to Prince Edward County. Uh, my dad actually lives there. So I would go down a few times a year and head around to all the wineries. Cause as I told you at the beginning of the podcast, uh, my favorite thing to do in my downtime is to drink a glass of wine. So we were going around to all of the wineries in the area because it is a really up and coming wine region in Ontario. And we noticed that there was only stretched limousines driving people around for wine tours. And we thought, you know, this could be a business idea because in Niagara Falls, they have uh, a really popular bicycle wine tour company, but there was nothing that existed in the area in PEC. So my two girlfriends and I, who they were both in marketing, we actually met working at a PR agency. We said, you know, if we don't do this, somebody else will. So we decided to launch a bicycle wine tour company called the County Wine Tours, and we launched it in May of this year. And so we've been doing tours for about um, two months now, and we're really booked up this summer. So it turns out there is a lot of demand for cycling tours in the area. Uh, we just launched brewery tours, and it's totally not tech-related, but it's been such an amazing experience because I didn't start 88 from the ground up. I didn't sign those incorporation papers and open the bank account and do all of those things that you do at the beginning of a business. And so I've always felt like a bit of a fraud when people say, oh, you're an entrepreneur, because I never truly have been one. And so now I'm proud to say that you know I've signed those papers. I've opened that bank account and uh, and now I'm building a business. And um, it's been an amazing experience, especially because my dad and my stepmom are the tour operators. So I feel like I'm, you know, it's a family business. It's, it's, I'm working with friends and it's in an area that I'm passionate about, both geographically and uh, the industry, wine. So yeah, it's been really fun. I'm curious what's next now for Aaron? Like, uh, what do you, what do you see yourself getting into now? Great question. I mean, I think to me, the evolution of your career is all about process of elimination. You might not work, know where you're going, but you know what you don't want to do. And I know for me, I'll never work at a Fortune 500 company again. I know that entrepreneurship and startups is the path that I've chosen and it's what's right for me. And so I can't say what I'll be doing in five or 10 years. I know I'll have a glass of wine in my hand regardless of what it is, but I imagine it will have something to do with helping entrepreneurs tell their story, uh, building businesses, and hopefully getting to work with an amazing team. Uh, but you'll have to come back in five years to find out. Oh, definitely. And we'll definitely have you on in five years. I'm <laughs> um, having a blast, Aaron. Again, Again, I appreciate your time and just to, to sit down with us, share your thoughts, share your leadership. Love to get some final thoughts, any observations, some actionable recommendations to people who are listening out there, whether they're looking to start an agency or they're growing their team or, or, or even looking for a passion or their personal branding, anything you could share. 
Yeah. So I think, I mean, for me, a few simple takeaways would be the personal branding side of it. Um, you know, really sitting down and thinking about where, what you love doing and what resonates with your skill set. So do you love speaking in front of groups of people? Do you love leading workshops or training sessions? Do you love attending events and shaking hands? Figure out what's a fit with your skill set and that niche topic and then start creating content, whether that's presentations, articles, videos, Twitter chats. I don't care what it is start creating content and start building a brand for yourself around that topic because it will it will help you build your network it will help you source opportunities and it'll help you stand out from everyone else um the second thing i would say is is i encourage people to find a mentor and also give back so everyone you know you might have a mentor if you're listening if you don't there are really great programs like mentor exchange through the american marketing association and platforms like 10,000 coffees that allow you to sync up with people in your industry uh, and then also give back. You know, I'm an advisor to Next Canada and all of their young entrepreneurs, and I'm on the advisory board for a couple startups. And I do office hours every week where I sit down with people who are looking for advice or just to pick my brain on marketing and startups. And I think it's really important. Uh, when I was starting out in my career, everyone who I asked to meet with me said yes, without fail. Everyone in the startup community is so open to giving back because they know that they owe it back to the people who are coming after them. And I think it's, that's very unique to the startup industry. And so I encourage anyone listening to not only find their own mentor and find those people who can be a, a voice of reason for them uh, and a, a kind of guiding light in their career, but also to give time back to the people who are coming after them. That's great. So to close, Aaron, can you just share with the listeners how they could find out more information about you, the County Wine Tours 88, anything that you have up your sleeve? For sure. So I'm at Aaron Burry on Twitter. So you can always interact with me there. Uh, 88, we're 88agency.com, all spelled out. And then the wine tour business is the countywinetours.com. And if you are coming to Prince Edward County this summer, please email me, Aaron, at the countywinetours.com, and I will tell you the best local hidden gems to go to. Awesome. So thank you again uh, for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thanks for having me. That's it, folks. Thank you for listening to the episode. Erin's great. I just loved her enthusiasm, drive, and knowledge of marketing. Love the fact that she's able to couple her passions and finally start her own business. If you're interested in learning more about Erin, 88, the County Wine Tours, or anything else that was mentioned, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 022. Again, that's thebusinessleadership.com slash 022. You know what? I would love to hear from you. So feel free to reach out directly via email to edwin at thebusinessleadership.com. Currently, we're serving our listeners to learn more about you, what you like. So please take a few minutes to visit our website and click on the survey link found on the homepage. Thank you again, and until next time, Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.